All right. Can you hear me? I think we're good to go. The, the Lord will increase the volume when it's needed. Everybody can hear me at the back? Yeah? Let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this time that you've allowed us to gather around the teaching of the gospel of Christ Jesus, who died and redeemed us from every lawless deed and justified us by your grace and grace alone. I thank you for this hour that you've given me to speak again. I pray for strength to speak and faithfulness of words. I pray for all these who have gathered here. May you grant them ears to hear. Let them not hear from me, but hear from the Holy Spirit. We honor you, glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the gospel that... Maybe lower down a little bit. There's still a little bit of feedback. The gospel... Mind the line of something? It's okay, it's okay. Okay. Yeah. The gospel that I preach, the gospel that I've had so far, it's called Sovereign Grace Gospel. Hallelujah. It's not like any other gospel that I've heard people preach. By Sovereign Grace, this is what it means. It means salvation is of God's doing. It's driven by Him for His glory. God did not bring salvation because people were miserable. God did not bring salvation to make people happy. He did not bring salvation to bring people to heaven either. It just so happens that in the process of glorifying his name, there are going to be some people who come to heaven. So when we say sovereign grace, we mean it is of God's doing. It is of God's choice that is found in him. He is not moved by anything that is not in him. He came up with this from ever since he has been God. So salvation is not as new as people make it to be. It began from before the foundation of the world. So I do not cause anything. I do not cause salvation. There is no preacher who causes salvation. There's not a single person who causes salvation. I'm only here to tell you how God determined to save a people to himself. And to tell you that that work is already done. We are just coming to the knowledge of it in time. But it was already accomplished. Okay? So the whole Bible is a testimony of this salvation story it is the testimony of God's glory in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So if we have been taught of God, we should be able to go to any page of the Bible by God's grace and bring the same message. Doesn't matter where we are, as you shall see in the messages that I shall bring. And this afternoon, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2. The book of Daniel chapter 2. And you now know the formula. We read the text and we explain the text. There's no other way to cheat it. To me, if a preacher cannot do that, I'm not listening. They're wasting my time. I want to hear what God has given them to teach me from the text. That will help me to see Christ. If we cannot see Christ from Daniel 2, we're wasting our time. Let's go party and do something else. Play dance to the music next door. So let's go to the book of Daniel chapter 2 and we're going to read much of the book. But we will not necessarily teach everything that is the chapter, because the big chapter would need a number of messages. But for the purposes of our messages, we should be able to get what we need to get from it. So this is what God recorded through the pen of Daniel. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that he slipped his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I've had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we'll give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. Verse 6, however, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. From verse 1 to 8, tell me the dream, and interpret it for me. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests. And there's no other who can tell, tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. 
So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they may seek mercies from God, from the God of heaven, concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. And light dwells with him. Verse 23, I thank you and praise you. O God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's demand therefore Daniel went to Arioch whom the king had appointed appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon he went and said thus to him do not destroy the wise men of Babylon take me before the king and I'll tell the king the interpretation then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him I found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. So Daniel begins to interpret. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image, this great image whose plan that was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, and its, leg of, its legs of iron. Its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, 
and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler over all the province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also Daniel petitioned the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. And that's the word of the Lord. May he make it profitable to our spirit and make us wise in the matter of Christ. I have three titles to the message. Number one title is The Dream and Its Interpretation. The Dream and Its Interpretation. Number two title is A Strange Thing That the King Requires. A strange thing that the king requires. And number three. I have found a man from the captives of Judah. I have found a man from the captives of Judah. We preach Christ, which means we preach the gospel from both the Old and the New Testaments because that is the most profitable way to read the scriptures because they both testify of the one and same thing. The Old Testament, even as given in Daniel, is saying the same thing that is in Romans, but in a different way. And many preachers use the New Old Testament, they use the Old Testament stories for moralistic teaching. For instance, do not be like David who took someone's wife and killed Uriah. And they'll come and say, this is what God taught them to come and preach. That is moralistic teaching. Be like Joseph and run away from every woman who loves you. And some of them will come and say, May God raise for us men like Daniel, like Elijah, like Joseph, to lead them. You don't need Daniel. Because Daniel can't help you. You do not need Moses. Moses can't help you. God has given us better. Yes, some of the things sound very good. They sound very sincere. But they're foolishness. Okay? We need more than Daniel. We need more than Elijah. We need more than any of the Old Testament heroes. We need Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have more than we need. Because we are complete in him. If we are complete in Christ, we cannot add anything to him. If you have a cup that's full of water, 
Can you add more to that cup? No. The only way to add more to that cup is if you empty some of it. So the only way that you can add more to Christ is if you remove from Christ. And if you take away from Christ, you're in trouble. You have another gospel. And a, and a cursed gospel. We have a lot of ground to cover. But I told you that this is a teaching and preaching conference. But also, I want, my brothers and sisters, hear me clearly. I want you to make this the way that you preach the gospel. Number two, the way that you learn to hear the gospel. You need to sit down and listen to what is being said. Okay? I'm serious about this. I'm very serious about this. Because you'll be deceived. And Jesus is going to tell you, depart from me, I never knew you. Because you are not looking for the right things about Christ. So we need to listen carefully. Okay? May God help us. Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Let's begin at verse 1. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, reign, sorry, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon in the telling of this story. And the Lord God came to preach the gospel of Christ through him. And so this is how God presented the gospel. The king was given a dream or dreams by God. And his spirit was so troubled by the dream that he could not sleep. Sleep deserted him. The matter troubled the king and he had a big problem in his hands because of the dream. And the problem needed a solution or else someone, some people were going to die. Verse 2. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. So the king had all these people, the magicians, the astrologers, and we have a lot of magicians behind the pulpit. Astrologers. And the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. You magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, You come and tell me about my dream. So God already is telling us that in the church environment, you have all kinds of people who come as if they know the dream and they know the interpretation and yet they are just magicians. Yes, they've been called by the king. False preachers Come from God. Yes. 
False preachers are God's preachers. To deceive people. Truthful preachers are also from God. To serve his people. <laughs> if you think I'm lying, 2 Thessalonians 2. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians 2, beginning at verse 9. 2 Thessalonians 2, beginning at verse 9, and we we'll read to verse 12. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, said, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, verse 11, God sent them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Did you hear who sent them a strong delusion? God. God sends them a strong delusion so that they believe a lie about salvation. And this is the reason why God does that. Verse 12. That they all may be condemned. Who did not believe the truth. Which is the gospel. But had pleasure in unrighteousness. Pleasure in unrighteousness is not going to a club. It's not drinking beer. It's not dancing to music. It's refusing the truth of Christ as God has revealed it. You hear people say, God loves to serve everyone. God wants to serve everyone. So why is he failing? The God who created the earth and the universe and the waters of the seas is the one who's going to fail to serve me because I went clubbing because I drank two pints of beer. That's not the God of the Bible. <laughs> God says there are those who refuse the truth of the gospel and it is not because of them. It is God who gives them over to believe that which is false that he may condemn them. Okay? This is why I'm saying begin to be careful in how you listen. Because you may be amening things that are not true. They may have Jesus in them, as I said. They may have grace in them, but they are still lies. And God uses the devil and his ministers to tell a lie. And God causes people to believe a lie. That's the God of the Bible. So the king came and said, I have one simple problem. It's not trying to balance the budget. I've been talking to a lot of people since I've been here. Right from when I was on the plane. 
connecting to Nairobi from Ethiopia. Every Kenyan that I've talked to is complaining about the economy and everything getting expensive. This king was not worried about the economy. He only had one problem. It was his dream. He says, I have had a dream that is troubling me and I am anxious to know what it is. Pay attention to the question of the king to the magicians and the sorcerers. He did not begin by asking them the interpretation of the dream. The king did not tell them what the dream was. He said, I'm going to test you. You tell me the dream. Yeah? Tell me the issue that I'm having. Give me a diagnosis of the problem first before you interpret it. You cannot preach the gospel if you do not know what the problem is. What is the problem? You cannot come back here where I'm standing if you don't know what the problem is. The problem that has caused Christ to come. Let me tell it to you this way. The king is saying, <laughs> give me a diagnosis of the problem. First, interpret for me because a doctor who gives you a prescription without running the test to know what the problem is, they do not know what they're treating. Yeah? You're getting antibiotics for something that does not need antibiotics. You're getting new glasses <laughs> when your problem is something different. You have to identify the disease. Once we identify the disease, then we can know what the solution is to the disease. Verse 4 of Daniel 2. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we'll give the interpretation. So the Chaldeans already see the problem that the king is presenting to them. Of course, they came and praised the king and said, O king, live forever. We want you to remain in the state house forever. And they thought that would give them some favors with the king. But the king said no to their request. They wanted to be told the dream. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, verse 5, my decision is firm. Is that one of the titles to the message? My decision is firm. If not, you have to add that. My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you see the two things, you shall be cut in pieces and, and your houses shall be made and ashes shall be burned down. However, verse 6, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. So the king is not playing. He says, my decision is firm. It is non-negotiable. If you do not make known to me the dream, my dream, and its interpretation, you shall be cut to pieces, and your houses shall be destroyed, shall be burned to the ground. 
So this is the judgment of condemnation by the king. And these guys who were just relaxing, life was going well for them, suddenly they have a problem. They have the sentence of death upon them. It came unexpectedly because of something that had happened to the king. We're going somewhere. And I'm going to ask you and say, was that a fair thing for the king to do? To say, Brother Carl, I had a dream last night. Tell me about the dream. Interpret it. If you can't, I'm going to kill you. Is that fair? Could you tell the rest of the Kenyan population that? Do you think they'll say it's fair? But this is the king. He is the sovereign ruler. The king does whatever pleases him. You understand me? To attach life to something that is impossible for you and I to do. And say, you come and tell me the dream and then give me the interpretation of that dream. But if you don't do it, you are so dead. But what is that saying? What is God telling us? What is he teaching? It is saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, though a sinner, was preaching something bigger than himself. He was a type of God. The king was a type. Every sovereign ruler that you see in the Bible is a picture of God. From Pharaoh to the king over in the book of Ruth. Uh, he was the sovereign of the nation of Babylon. As God is the sovereign of all of his creation. I want you to understand that connection. King Nebuchadnezzar is representing God. So the king had the lives of the people of the nation that he ruled in his hands to give life to them or to kill them. As God has the lives of everyone in his hands to serve or to condemn. So the king had an issue pertaining his dreams that needed to be told and to be interpreted. interpreted and that to say, I'm going to slow down on this. God also had a purpose. He had a mystery that was hidden in Christ that needed to be revealed if there should be salvation. But God is not just going to come and reveal it to everyone. We have been hearing in the previous message about God being the one who reveals Christ to a person. So the mystery of God's dream, if you would put it that way, is the mystery of his sovereign will and purpose to be revealed by a particular man, a man of his appointment, a man of God's wisdom to the glory of the man 
we shall receive that mystery. We shall reveal that mystery, that mystery, sorry. So the man who is able to reveal the mystery to the king shall be glorified. So King Nebuchadnezzar said his decision was firm. This is very important for us to understand. It means it was non-negotiable. It means it was unbendable. But what does that mean in the matter of the gospel? That is the testimony of the law and its righteousness. The law comes and says it is non-negotiable. You cannot do the law today and then fail tomorrow and then keep saying you're still doing the law. There's nothing like that. Remember what I told you about the law. If you miss one point of the law, one, for one second, you are completely disqualified. You are condemned. So the king says, my decree is firm. It stands here. It does not go down to accommodate your lack of ability to do it. God does not care whether you're able to do the law or not, he does not care. It remains the same. So to the same, this is what Apostle Paul said in Galatians 3. Let's go to Galatians 3, 10. Galatians, the book of Galatians 3, 10. And underline these things because you need to begin to know about these things. The book of Galatians 3, 10. The apostle says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Why? For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. You see the all things? Continue in what? In some things that they like. Some things that they think they can do. You continue in what? In all things which are written in the book of the law to talk about them? To talk about them? Are people not talking about the law? But what does the apostle say? To do them. Not some things of the law. And Do you know how many commandments are in the law? There are 613. 613. You have to do all of them. Continuously. You can't begin today. It's too late. <laughs> Should have already been doing it. 613. And God says, if you should be saved, do the 613 and get 100% correct on everything. From when you were born to the second you die. And I say good luck to you. Very good luck. Here, James 2.10. Let's go to James, the book of James 2.10. The book of James 
Everybody there? James 2.10, the book of James. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in how many points? One. I thought it was 20. No. What about 100? Uh, one. If you stumble at one point of the law, what becomes of them? You are guilty of the whole law. This is what it means. If you lie, you're also guilty of stealing. Even though you didn't steal from anybody. If you lie, you bear witness, false witness, you're guilty of adultery. You have slept with someone's wife and husband. Oh, you never heard of that? Because the law comes as one unit. You cannot pick and choose what you want to do. You pick one thing, you take the whole thing. You knock one thing down, you knock the whole thing down. That's how it works. So who in their right mind can raise their hand and say, oh, I'm doing the law? <laughs> no, you can't. And what, what that is saying is, the decision of the king is firm. God is saying, my decision, my matter of the law is firm. It's 100% obedience. I'm not changing it. If you knock one thing, you are guilty of the whole thing. Okay? So, you're going to hear people say, oh, we are doing the law. Do you have Seventh-day Adventists here in Kenya? Yes. Yeah. Deceived. <laughs> they claim they're doing the law. They claim to do something that only God could do. Because only God could do the law. And the Seventh-day Adventists, when they've eaten too much ugali, come and say, oh, I'm I can do the law. <laughs> the king is clear. His decision is firm. And that is saying the righteousness of the law, its standard cannot be negotiated down. It cannot be pulled down. It cannot be reduced to your level. It needs a man who can give it what it demands or else you will die. So, this is what I want you to understand. The king has a dream. He has made a firm decision that cannot be bent. Right? It must be interpreted, otherwise people are going to die. Let us hear the testimony about this matter. Verse 10. Daniel 2. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. There's not a man. The Chaldeans are baffled by the request. There's not a man to be found on the earth who can tell the king's matter. In other words, there's not a man found on earth who is able to give the law what the law demands. Are me? There's none ever to be found on earth born of a woman who can tell the king the matter. There's not a man on earth who can tell the mystery of Christ. There's not a man. 
not born of a woman who can tell the matter of the dream of the king who can reveal the mystery of Christ. Not a qualified person who can know God's purpose in the law and in Christ unless it has been revealed to them by and through the man that God has appointed, the man that has been qualified of God. What does that mean? Therefore, no king, that's verse 10, lord or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. There's no king to their memory, no ruler, no lord, no president, no prime minister who have ever asked such a question of the magicians, the astrologers, the magicians, the Chaldeans, or any preacher for that matter. And that to say this was a very special matter. Because the matter of God's purpose in Christ is a matter that no man on earth has ever conceived to ask or to understand or even to declare. And that's why I corrected myself when I said I came from the USA and then the Lord rebuked me and showed me that I could not bring the testimony of Christ from the USA the matter of the mystery of Christ comes from Christ himself. Okay? As Romans eleven twenty four says, you don't have to go there, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who, or who has been his counselor? There's no one who knows the mind of God. Okay? So we have here many astrologers. We have many magicians. In science, in religion, in the professing church, who are busy talking about God, but God has never showed up to ask them about the question of the mystery of his purpose in Christ. Thus, they have no understanding of the dream and its interpretation. They cannot look at Genesis chapter 1 and discover the mystery that is written there in Christ. They can't find it in Adam and Eve. They can't find it in Noah and his family. They can't find it in Abraham and his family. And yet it's telling the same dream. The mystery of the gospel. So you cannot interpret the gospel. You cannot interpret the matter of sin, of the law, of the covenants, of righteousness, of justification, of holiness, of judgment, unless God has revealed to you his purpose in Christ. Amen. The glory of Christ. Because the glory of Christ is what drives everything in God's creation. The glory of Christ is why there's everything that you can conceive anymore. That's why there's water. That's why there's the sea and the moon, the stars. That's why you have the countries and the people and the different kinds of people in the world. It's the reason why there's sin. There's the reason why there's death. Death is because of Christ. Because it glorifies him. 
in the salvation of his people from death. It glorifies him in him condemning people to hell. It's about his glory. So, a preacher who is not able to connect these things, they have not been taught of God. Because that's what preaching the gospel is. Okay? So here the Chaldeans, verse 11, what they had to say to the king. They said, it is a difficult thing that the king requests. The King James Version says, it is a strange thing that the king requires. And there's no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. So what are the magicians saying? They're saying this is a strange thing that the king requires. Why? Because it is a strange thing to the ears of sinful men and women to hear what God actually requires for their salvation. And what he purposed to do with his creation for his glory. If you tell people on the street, go out and tell them that, well, what I just heard today is that God created some people to send them to hell. Everybody's going to object. They're going to say there's no, there's no God like that. But that is the only God there is. It's in the Bible. And we have to teach it. Okay? It's part of the offense of preaching Christ. Of believing in Christ. But Jesus taught that. The apostles taught that. It's not for us to try and clean it up. Remember, God is not unclean. He doesn't need us to clean him. <laughs> so the Chaldeans come and they rightly concluded that there's no other person that can be found who is able to tell it to the king except the God whose dwelling is not with the flesh. The person who is able to tell the dream and to interpret it cannot be found among the children of men. That's what that is saying. And that you say. As I said in the previous message, that salvation does not come to us because of our understanding. Or because we went to school, we went to college, we went to university. That's not how salvation comes. It comes by God's revelation to us. And God is saying through this testimony that the man who can do that cannot be found naturally on earth. He must come from somewhere. The man who is able to do that must come from somewhere. And of course these people are pagans, but they preach well on this point because they are acknowledging the point that such a man is not naturally found among the inhabitants of the earth. And it is God who is behind everything that is being said. You need to understand this. Whatever people were saying in the Bible, God was behind it. Otherwise, he would not have recorded it. And God is giving them the gospel talking points. And saying such a man must come to the earth. As God's wisdom, as the word of God made flesh. And this is preaching the need of Jesus. It is saying 
the man who causes salvation, the man who knows God's mind, is not from the earth. He has to come from somewhere. <laughs> and Christ Jesus is the man. He is the ultimate revealer of God. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because he refused God. Because he's God. Christ Jesus is God. The fullness of God dwelling in him in bodily form. Verse 12. For this reason the king was angry and very furious. And gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So I want you to pay attention to the reaction of the king. He was very angry. He was very furious. He was wrathful. And that speaks to God's wrath towards all who cannot interpret the truth of his purpose in Christ. And so he gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And that was a decree of condemnation. And that is saying this is God's judgment of all sinners. Because sinners naturally cannot tell God the matter of Christ. So in God's purpose in Christ, there was his anger that needed to be satisfied by reason of the righteousness of Christ, by reason of his holiness, by reason of his justice. And apart from this propitiation, which is satisfaction, these are all important words that need to be understood for us to believe correctly, for us to communicate God's message correctly. To propitiate means to make satisfaction. So Christ, when he died, he made satisfaction for our sins. In other words, whatever we owed God, he made full payment of it. So that is propitiation. And also related to propitiation is he removed the wrath of God that was associated with our sin. Okay? And so apart from the mercy seat, the decree to destroy had been issued and it was hanging on everyone's head until the interpretation of the dream had been made. Verse 13. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they saw Daniel and his companions to kill them. So the decree went out and the king's officers began to execute people. They began to kill beginning with the wise men. And in that, they also sought to kill Daniel and his friends. And that means the decree of condemnation was also issued against Christ Jesus and all his friends, that is those who are in him, who are united to him by God's election. 
You understand me? The decree of condemnation was not just on Christ. It was also on his companions. Because they were united to him. God united us to Christ by election. When he chose us and put us in Christ. God chose us and he put us in Christ. United us with Christ. It's very important. Okay? So what that means is Christ Jesus was also counted to die by reason of this decree, which means from before the foundation of the world, God always wanted Jesus to die. Jesus did not come as God's plan B, not plan C, not plan D. God does not have plan C, D, B. He only has one plan. Okay? Jesus was not sent by God to put out a fire that happened by accident. It's God who started the fire. And he sent Jesus to put it out. To the glory of Christ. Okay? (laughs) So, Christ was also to die as the solution, as the way to remove, to reverse the decree that destroyed. As we are going to see. Romans 5 verse 16. And the gift is not like one who sinned. For judgment resulting from the one transgression, that is the transgression of Adam, led to condemnation. So you were not condemned when you showed up yesterday. Condemnation happened in Adam. Because you were united with Adam. As salvation happened in Christ. Because you were united to Christ. Yes. In other words, there are only two important people that have ever lived on planet Earth. Hallelujah. It's Adam who brought sin, death and condemnation. Yes. And Christ who brought life and righteousness and justification. Hallelujah. That's where it happened. That's where the, si- the papers were signed. God is not signing a paper with you every time you believe. It was, he only had two papers to sign. Condemnation in Adam and righteousness in Christ. Done, and he threw away his pen. <laughs> so, and the gift is not like one who sinned for judgment resulting from the one transgression. You see, from one transgression. One, not two. And mind you, Adam did not have internet. Adam did not have an internet. He did not have a phone. Adam did not even have a neighbor. And yet he brought sin and death. And you think you can do the law? With your phone and internet and all the things that are busy in WhatsApp. (laughs) It's not going to happen. It did not happen for Adam 
who only had his wife, <laughs> just the two of them. No neighbors, no internet, no TV, no movies to watch, no music to play. Okay? And he was condemned. And you come and you think you can do the law today? Forget it. Christ Jesus must die. In other words, he must go to the cross because of the decree. Christ is the second Adam. Okay? Adam was a type of Christ. Listen to me. Adam was a type of Christ. It means he represented Jesus. Eve represented the church. That's why Eve ate from the tree first. Because the church is she who sinned and was condemned. Yeah? So we are the bride of Christ as Eve was the bride of Adam. Because Eve was made from the side of Adam, so the church is made from the side of Christ on the cross. What killed people came from that which was on the tree. And that which brings life is the Christ who was put on a tree. You see the connection? So Adam is preaching Christ. Don't go. I heard a preacher say, when I go to heaven, I'm going to go and kick Adam because he brought sin. And I was like, well, if you're kicking Adam in heaven, then you're not in heaven. No one kicks anyone in heaven. <laughs> Christ must die. That was God's eternal purpose. It must be told and it must be interpreted by the person of Christ through the cross. Okay? If anyone should be able to live, the Christ must come and must die. Verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, we had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the decision known to Daniel. So the king dispatched his servant, whose name was Ariok. He was the captain, he was the commander of the king's guard, who had been given instruction to go and kill the wise men of Babylon. So he is coming with the sword of the king. He represents the power of the king to kill. Ariok represented the decree of the king. As did Haman with King Ahasuerus in the book of Esther. If you know the story of the book of Esther, Haman had the decree of the king to go and kill all the Jews. Before that decree was reversed, because of Queen Esther. So Ariok was the merchant and the agent to bring death through the decree as Haman was the merchant to bring death to the Jews. And that means he represented the testimony of the law. The law is the decree that brings death. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says the law is the ministry of righteousness. No, it does not say that. The law is the ministry of death and condemnation. 
So when you have a decree of death and condemnation, it represents the decree of the law against the sinner. Okay? So it is the decree of death to sinners who do not know how to interpret God's purpose in Christ, which now has been revealed, has been made known to all who believe, those who believe have been given the understanding of the king's dream and its interpretation. That's what faith means. Okay? But the decree of the king was urgent because once the fullness of the time has come for God to reveal Christ, he began to unfold all the events leading to his coming from creation, Adam, sin, to the cross. Once the fullness of time. So God is the God of timetables. Everything happens exactly in the time that he is appointed. Right from creation, he was preaching Christ and preparing for the coming of Christ. Okay? And that leading to the cross. Right? Verse 16 of Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. That he might tell the king the interpretation. Daniel had access to the king. Pay attention to that. The person who is able to interpret the dream to the king must have access to the king before they can interpret the Otherwise, how are you going to know? So he went and he talked to the king. And he said, I need a little bit more time and I'll come back with the interpretation of the dream. So there was a lot of confidence given by Daniel, given what was at stake. Because the king has said, if you can't tell me the dream, I'm going to have to kill people. And Daniel says, oh king, can you wait for a second? When I get back, I'll bring you the dream and its interpretation. That's a lot of confidence. You and I could not do that. That means God is telling us something about Daniel that we need to understand. The Daniel of this Daniel book is not for people to do Daniel's fast. You know, that is very popular. Well, we are doing Daniel's fast and Esther's fast. Well, if you go and read Daniel's fast, when Daniel and his friends were fasting, they actually gained weight. You're not supposed to be gaining weight if you're fasting. They gain weight. Yes. Why? Because they were representing something other than what people think of them. They were talking about Jesus. Okay? Yes. Yeah, this is verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they may that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. So that Daniel, underline that, so that Daniel and his friends might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Underline that. So that Daniel and his friends might not perish with 
the rest of the wise men because there's going to be some people to perish, but Daniel and his friends cannot perish. Make sure you have the right Daniel. Christ. (laughs) Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So Daniel went home and asked his friends to pray with him and seek the message of God from the God of heaven because he alone is merciful concerning this secret. God alone is merciful. God alone is gracious. You understand me? We are not merciful people. There's no man who is merciful. There's no man who is gracious. God alone is gracious. God alone is full of mercy. And this was so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So it was God's purpose that all the elect would not perish by reason of sin and their inability to keep the law. Because Daniel's friends could not interpret by themselves. But we are told here that Daniel, as he is seeking the mercy of God, was so that he might not perish with the wrath and his friends not perish. This message, and all these messages, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be listening to them for as long as you live. Because right now, I will tell you the honest truth. You're getting about 10% of what I'm saying. When you have gone back to these messages, you're going to get up and start running by yourself in your house like a madman. When God reveals what I'm actually saying. This is glorious stuff. This is glorious stuff. Let's connect it. Maybe God will help us today. Because we have to identify who is who in the story. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Who is Daniel? Daniel was a type of Christ. Because King Nebuchadnezzar was a type of God. And Daniel was serving the king. Yeah? He had access to the king because Christ alone has access to the king. In intercession, okay, on behalf of his friends, Christ calls us his friends. We are the bride of Christ. We are saints. We are the brethren of Christ. We are all these things to Jesus. And God is using all that language of relationship so that we understand how he sees us in Christ. And so this is what we've been told about Daniel so that we understand Daniel more. Let's go to Daniel 1, beginning at verse 3. Daniel 1, beginning at verse 3, and we'll end at verse 7. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, underline that young men in whom 
there was no blemish. Blemish it means they were very, very perfect young men, very strong, very intelligent, very hardworking, very knowledgeable, but good looking. See that? No blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So these were masterful young men, very intelligent, very knowledgeable about everything. They were gifted with the knowledge of God. And that is speaking of Christ Jesus. When you see someone or something that is said to have no blemish, it is talking about Jesus. So, hear this. Verse 5. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that they might serve before the king. So they were trained by the king so that they may what? They may serve the king. They were trained for three years. The Lord Jesus, three years of ministry as it were being trained so that he may serve God in the salvation of his people. Now, verse 6, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So the chief of the eunuchs is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The eunuch means one who, who was castrated. Their manhood was removed. So the kings of the day, they castrated the males who worked for them because they did not want them to sleep with their women. Okay? Yeah. So you're going to find that in the book of Esther too. So the eunuchs are very close to the king but they cannot sleep with the women that belong to the king. Because the women represent the church. The church is not the bride of the Holy Spirit. The church is the bride of Christ. Christ is the husband, not the Holy Spirit. So the eunuchs, even though they serve in the office of the king, they are not the husband. They cannot sleep with the women because the women belong to Christ. The church was given to Christ. The Holy Spirit works in the church to build the church so that she may be presented to Christ. That is the testimony of the eunuchs. We have a ton of messages like that. Once you get used to our messages, you're going to learn others. So, hear this. So, speaking to Hananiah, to Mishael, and Ab Abednego, young men, verse 4, in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. So all these qualities, those are a lot of qualifications. And that is saying this person is none other than Jesus Christ. A person with such understanding, 
with such wisdom, who has been given authority by the king to do all these things, is Christ Jesus. But that testimony of Jesus is hidden in Daniel. Daniel is not just Daniel. He is representing something bigger than himself. Okay? Verse 1. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes the kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You see, he says he gives wisdom to the wise. Why do you need wisdom if you are already wise? <laughs> it's because it's Christ Jesus. He is the wisdom of God. He already has wisdom. And yet he's given more wisdom. Okay? He reveals deep and secret things. Verse 22. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Light dwells with him. With God. Christ Jesus also is the light of the world. Light dwells in Christ Jesus. He is the light of salvation. Verse 23, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand that is the prayer and intercession of Christ. So when you are reading Daniel, in the place of Daniel, put Jesus. Okay? Put the name of Jesus, then everything begins to make more sense. And Jesus, through Daniel, through his spirit, is praising God for the wisdom that he has. To interpret the will of God. The will, the mystery that was hidden from all the ages. That has now been made known in him. So that is the intercession of Christ. Pay attention to verse 23. Christ Jesus is the man that God hears always when he prayed. And when he prays. It is he who has given God's wisdom and might to know the king's demand. In other words, to know what God actually requires for you to be saved. Only Jesus knows that. Muhammad does not, does not know that. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses do not know that. The Pope and all the company do not know that. That knowledge belong, belongs to Christ alone. Okay? So that establishes for us that Daniel was a type of Christ. You're going to be learning a lot from my messages about types of Christ, types of God, types of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, then you are able to read the Bible with understanding. But all those who are born of God, who are elected of God, also understand the king's demand. All those who have been born of the Holy Spirit, they also understand the king's demand. And the majority of the people of the world do not know about the king's demand because they do not know the gospel. Because it is only through the gospel that what God requires has been made known. They are ignorant of God's righteousness. Remember that from Romans 3? 
that the righteousness of God has been revealed, being testified of by the law and the prophets. And people who are ignorant of the, of the king's dream, they go about establishing their own righteousness that is according to the law, according to their own obedience, according to their own interpretation of the dream, but have not been given the God-given interpretation through Christ. Okay? Now let's hear Daniel explain the dream. Therefore Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. I could tell you that the conference is over if you have understood that. Daniel says, let me read this again. For someone who is sleeping. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Do this instead. Take me before the king. And I will tell the king the interpretation of the dream. See the intercession of Daniel. <laughs> he went to the man who had the decree of death and condemnation. And he talked to him. Remember, Ariok was the man who was given power to kill and destroy. Daniel goes to him and says, stop the distraction. Do not kill them. Give it to me. The law that was appointed to destroy. The Lord Jesus came in the flesh. As it were to the man who had been appointed to kill. Do you know the man who was appointed to kill? It was Moses. Moses is not Moses. Moses was the mediator of the law. So Moses represents the law. Moses represents Mount Sinai. Okay? And Mount Sinai, do you know what happened on Mount Sinai when God showed up in Mount Sinai? There was thunder. There was lightning. There was darkness. And people were crying. And saying we are so afraid. Even Moses himself was afraid. That's what the book of Hebrews says. And the people were saying, tell God to stop talking to us like that. Because we are so afraid. Why? Because that's the decree of the law. When God shows up at Mount Sinai, he's bringing condemnation. He's not bringing life. So Christ has to come. And he has to speak to Moses. He has to speak to the covenant. And that's why Jesus said when he came, not one jot or tittle of the law will pass away until all has been fulfilled. He's saying, I must give to the law everything that the law requires for the salvation of my people and when it's done, it's done. 
my people will not be under the decree of death anymore. And Jesus said, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king. Take me before the king. I'll tell the king the interpretation. And that was a stop order to seize and settle, to put away the sword. Daniel came and essentially took the sword from the hands of Ariok and said, give me the sword or put away the sword that was on the neck of the people to kill them. Do not destroy them. Give it to me. Let's see what happens. If you still have anything after I have failed, you go ahead. But give me a chance. Put away the sword. Stop the condemnation. But how? Daniel said, you take me before the king and I'll tell the king the interpretation. You take me to the king. I will mediate on behalf of these who are supposed to die. I'll speak to the king and make known to him his dream and its interpretation by my God-given wisdom. Daniel is the one man. He says, you take me, the one man, because there's only one mediator between the king and those who are dying. God is the king. He has issued a decree to destroy. These people are condemned. They cannot come to the king. There has to be a Daniel to come and say, you give it to me. I'll go and talk to the king. Stop the destruction. That's Jesus. The one man. Daniel did not go with his friends. He said, you take me. Because salvation was the work of Christ alone. I must go and stand on behalf of all who had come under the decree. I go there to represent them. I go there to negotiate for them. I go there to set them free. He must give the king what he requires. As I mean, my people. Yes. Daniel must give the king what the king requires. Even though it was a very strange thing, Daniel must still bring the solution. Or else he's dead. Or else his friends are dead. Because the king had attached the salvation of man to something that they could not do. Hear me, people. The king said, if you are to leave, tell me the dream, which you can't. Interpret the dream, which you can't. But if you can't, you're dead. So that's what the law is saying. The law is saying, you do it. But if you can't, you're dead. There's no excuse. The king did not allow for any excuse. Tell me the dream. My decision is firm. You are dead. Yeah? Remember also what happened with Joseph in Egypt. About Pharaoh and his dream. God gave Pharaoh another dream that he could not interpret. 
who was the man to interpret the dream. It was Joseph. But guess what happened when Joseph interpreted the dream? He got out of prison and he became second to Pharaoh. He was promoted. Everyone who is able to interpret the dream of the king becomes second to the king. That's Christ who is seated on the right hand of God. <laughs> so this is the point. The method of salvation is impossible with men. That's what this is saying. The method of salvation, forget it. You cannot do it. The matter of obedience to the law is impossible with men. Forget it. So do not believe anyone who comes and says, oh, they're doing the law for righteousness or for sanctification, as you hear. It is impossible. In the law is driven, sorry, in the law is hidden the dream of God. In other words, his purpose to make us all guilty, to make us all hopeless by the decree of death. And the matter of the law can only be properly interpreted by the man from God. Daniel was the man from God. Was he not? Christ, the man from God. Christ, the spiritual man. The heavenly man. Daniel said, I will tell the king the interpretation. And the Lord Jesus came and said, I've come to do my father's will. And to finish it. Because for this purpose, I came into the world to tell the dream and to interpret it on behalf of the salvation of my people. Verse 25. Then Ariel quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king. In other words, the law presents Jesus before God as the man with wisdom and without blemish, the man without sin, the man who is holy, and says, I have found a qualified man to interpret the matter of salvation. That's what the law does. It's only looking for the one man. The law was made for Jesus. The law was made for Jesus. And it comes to God and says, I found the man. The man that you're looking for. That's him. You deal with him. Ariok himself did not know the dream. <laughs> because the law is only a shadow of the dream. The law is a shadow of the good things to come. That's Hebrews teaching. But it knows the substance of all things. It's Christ Jesus. The law is not confused about this. The law knows that its testimony is of Jesus. Ariok said, I found a man of the captives of Judah. You found a man. Have you found a man? Have you found a man? Have you been found by the man from the captives of Judah? We have found a man of the captives of Judah. He is a Jew. He is Christ Jesus. 
What is he able to do? He will make known to the king the dream and its interpretation. He will deliver those condemned to die from their sins. And we see Apostle Paul in Romans 7. In Romans 7, if you are very familiar with Romans 7, the apostle was in some serious dilemma, trouble, because of his own sin and because of the law. Apostle Paul was a Jew. He understood the law. And he was teaching on how sin and law work together. And he was getting surprised, amazed, that the law was not doing for him what he thought it was given to do. He thought through the law he could get life, but he discovered that the law was actually making sin more sinful. It was causing him to sin the more. It caused him to be hopeless. It caused him to realize that he was a sinner in trouble. So he cried out and said, Oh, wretched man that I am. This is Apostle Paul. He says, I'm a wretch. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? You need to be delivered from this body of death. The wise men need to be delivered from this body of death. The sorcerers, the magicians, even the friends of Daniel. War is us. Who shall deliver us from this body of death? And Paul found his answer and said, Thanks God, thanks be given to God for Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God for Christ Jesus. Because I found my man from the captives of Judah who has the wisdom to deliver me from this body of death. Verse 26, we are almost done. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? So the king asked for the qualifications of Daniel to see if he had the wisdom to satisfy the king in the telling of the dream and its interpretation. And I ask everyone the same, but in a different way. Are you able to make known to God and to give him what he requires of your soul? This is a very serious question. Are you able, as you are seated here, to give to God what He requires for your salvation? Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. Go there. The book of Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. What did the Lord say? For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world 
and lose his answer? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Lord Jesus was an accountant. He knew about profit, which is gain, and loss in exchange. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, get everything that is in the world, and lose his own soul? In other words, everything that is found in this world, all the gold, the diamond, the wealth, the oil, the money. You put it together in one account. Jesus says, it is not enough for the salvation of one person. And so he asked the question, what shall you give in exchange? Because there has to be an exchange. Your soul was under the condemnation of the king. And for you to be set free, there has to be an exchange. The king wants something. The king wants the dream to be told and to be interpreted, and that is the exchange. And for God, he says, this is my law. You have to perfectly obey it, and that is the exchange. Jesus comes. What shall you give in exchange? So the matter that we are dealing with, my brothers and sisters, here and now, is the matter of profit, loss, and exchange. That is the whole gospel transaction. Profit, loss, and exchange. And what shall we give here to make a profit? In in other words, to be saved. In other words, to not be condemned. What shall we give What do you have at home, in your wallet, in your bank, to give to Jesus, to give to God, to make the exchange? You have nothing. What shall you exchange for your soul to be delivered from the decree of death? That is what is being said. It is not about money. Jesus is not talking money. He is using the language of money and business to talk about salvation. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And fourth religion, tomorrow they're going to be very busy. Oh, yeah, they have a lot of answers. Tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, they're preparing the answers. There are going to be as, as many answers tomorrow to try and answer this question. As many answers as are preachers in the pulpit. Every preacher is going to come with their own explanation. You have to cede to our ministry. Give us some money. But this is what God has said. Ariok said, I found a man from the captives of Judah. He is able to make the exchange for the people. He is able to interpret the dream. His name is Daniel. His name is Christ Jesus. And that is the gospel, my dear friends. God has given us a man who is able and has already made a profitable exchange for us before God. That we may not suffer loss and go to hell. 
and that work is already done. God is not trying to serve anyone. You hear me? God does not try to do anything. That God is not the God of the Bible. God does not try. You and I try. When God was creating things in Genesis, he said, let there be light. And did the light say, uh, let's wait maybe two weeks from now. Let there be light and there was light. Let there be salvation and there was salvation. God is not trying anything. He never tries. He speaks it and it's done. Okay? So the decree of death has already been removed by the intercession of Christ. He is the one man. Pay attention to the one man. It's very critical in your understanding of the gospel to emphasize that it is about the one man, Christ Jesus. Okay. Daniel 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. That is a statement of fact. The secret, the mystery which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, they are not able to preach it. Okay? They cannot preach this gospel. And there are a lot of astrologers, as I've said. There are a lot of soothsayers a lot of magicians in the pulpits who cannot teach the mystery of Christ to the king and therefore are not qualified to preach the gospel. And their churches may be full of people. They are collecting a lot of money. They may make people jump and shout, even cry, but they cannot declare the gospel to the king because they are always adding their works the blood of the cross. Okay? So gospel preaching is a declaration to the king about the man who came interpreted and fulfilled the dream in his life, in his death and resurrection, the Lord Jesus. Do you hear me? When I'm preaching the gospel, I'm preaching to the king. I taught these brothers yesterday. When you're preaching the truth, you're preaching the truth back to God. Yeah. It is God who gives you understanding. It's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? God teaches me as he is teaching me. Yeah. He does both. Yeah. He is the teacher. Yeah. I'm not the teacher. Yeah. I'm a speaker like that one. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I do not teach anybody. That's no. it. Daniel says... But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And we're not going to go through all that because that's not our interest at this point. We're going to skip to the end. Go to verse 36. Daniel says, this is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. (laughs) Okay? For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Um, 
Let's jump to verse 44. I do not want to, I want to set my energy. Let's go to verse 44. So from verse 37, Daniel begins to interpret. And from verse 44, we pick up the interpretation. And he says, in, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So this is the kingdom of Christ. That is the only forever kingdom that God has established and all the other kingdoms of the world shall be destroyed. It doesn't matter which country. It doesn't matter how much money they have. Those kingdoms are not standing. God is going to destroy them because there's only one kingdom that's going to remain. It is the kingdom of Christ Jesus. So verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Okay. So the dream has been interpreted. Interpreted. Now, in every story of the Bible, when you have a situation like this where there's a decree that comes to kill. The person who removes the decree that kills always gets promoted. Okay? They always do what? Let's hear that. And that will be in our conclusion of the message. Let's go to verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. So the king is transferred, as it were, his sovereignty. Because, as I said, the king was a picture of God. But he is just still a human being. So ultimately he has to acknowledge the true sovereign one. So that's what King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, that your God is the true God. The God of Daniel is the true God. So now, in the light of that, verse 48 and 49, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate. So Daniel and his friends, they got promoted. But how high? How high were they promoted? Daniel was made ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and the chief administrator of all the wise men of Babylon, which means Christ is the wisdom who rules over all. And this is the same thing that happened to Mordecai in the book of Esther after the deliverance of his people from the decree that destroyed. Okay? So when the decree that 
destroyed, has to be removed by the intercession of Christ. There has to be light, there has to be gladness, there has to be joy, there has to be honor as we found with the Jews, as we found with Mordecai's people. I'm trying to end this. I have one more page. This is a problem. If I don't complete it correctly, there's going to be a time that you want to actually listen to the whole message. And then you're like, why did he not finish this? I wanted to know how everything else connects with this. So we are not recording this message just for today. (laughs) It's for as long as Christ does not come back yet. So let me finish it. I only have one page. Daniel was promoted together with his friends. Yeah? Yes. Esther and Mordecai were promoted together with their people. Yes. So did Joseph and his family. Yes. And also we have been promoted together with Christ. Yes. The Bible says we have been seated and blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the promotion that God was teaching in Daniel. His friends must be promoted. So us who are Christ's friends have been promoted together with him. We have been seated with him in the heavenly places. Daniel could not be promoted without his friends. So the church could not remain condemned, could not remain under the decree that kills because of Christ. But there's more. Philippians 2, 9 to 11, you have to know this. When you teach this, you have to connect it to Philippians 2 because that will substantiate what I'm saying. Philippians 2, just three verses. Apostle Paul is talking about the attitude that Christians should have towards one another in terms of humility and say, we have this mind like that which was with Christ Jesus, right? That even though he was God, he did not make equality with God something to be grasped. This word always messes me up, but that's fine. He did not make equality with God Something to glory in. Otherwise, he could have been saying it every day. Look at me. I'm an angel. Look at me. I am God. Jesus did not do that. So that was the humility of Christ. But because of that, because of his lowliness, because of Jesus coming and becoming a born servant and suffering the death of the cross, this is what has happened as he has delivered his people. God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Daniel, right? In Babylon, every Babylonian would bow. The name of Joseph in Egypt, every Egyptian would bow. The name of Mordecai, every person in the kingdom of our shores would bow. In the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Daniel exalted above else, Mordecai exalted, Joseph exalted, and all that fulfilled in Christ. The man who is told and interpreted God's dream that is Christ Jesus, the mystery that was hidden, but has now been made known, it has been revealed, and we'll close it this way, Colossians 1, 26 and 27, even the mystery which has now, even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest, is made known to who? To his saints. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And of Christ, 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Amen. We are done. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these many words to your people. They are needful, they are necessary for them to hear. There's nothing more important that we could be doing with our time than to hear the testimony of Christ through the scriptures. Because the scriptures do indeed testify of the one man, Daniel, the one man who could interpret the dream of the king to the salvation of his people, the one man, Christ Jesus, who brought the knowledge of the mystery of God's will and fulfilled it in himself, even in his death on the cross, and is now seated on the right hand of power, having made an end to the purification of sin, and we have now been seated with him and blessed with every special blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We honor you, we thank you for these many words, and pray that they will go and minister to your people. We ask for blessing again with the next messages. Give us a restful night. Give me strength again to declare the things of Christ. We honor you, glorify you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.